electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people, one of my friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Bounce! Oh, my. And a big one after a brutal decline. It seems that once the sellers ran out of ammo, no more stock left to sell. The buyers ran right back in. Buy, 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 buy. Dow surging 440 points. S&P pole boiling 2.01%. NASDAQ soaring 2.71%. House of pleasure. So how do we explain this incredible rebound, even as the averages did give up some of their gains in the last half hour of trading? It's easy enough to argue that things are simply better than we think, and that's definitely a part of it, but not the whole thing. It doesn't explain the broad base of this rally. We had a dramatic decline in tech late last week, and yesterday, those same tech stocks roared higher today. No surprise there. Last night, I told you these sell-offs tend to last three days, and then tech bounces back. That's exactly what happened. What shocked me, though, was the incredible buying in the industrials, the retailers, and the railroads, the last being really surprising. All aboard! In other words, we had a rally in both the COVID stocks and the recovery stocks. When nearly everything goes up, you'll hear people claim, oh, well, man, it's there for it's the Fed or people betting on a stimulus package or mindless dip buyers. I think those explanations miss the mark. How do we figure out the real driver of this move? First, let's go over what we know for sure. There's a semiconductor company. You may not know it. I think it's important. I've often joked that it sounds like Corvo. Its name is Corvo. Q-O-R-V-O, with a ton of exposure to Wi-Fi, the Internet of Things, and smartphones, especially 5G. Now, last night, in a quiet moment that people weren't thinking about, Corvo pre-announced some absurdly better-than-expected numbers, and their product portfolio was so broad that it caused a ton of positive pin action. Strike! What comes to mind? 
Well, think the other cell phone chip makers that have been the leaders of this market. I'm talking about Skyworks Solutions. NXP, New Field Communications. How about Qualcomm? We know them as the king of cell phones. Uh, think about the industrial chip makers. And there you got Texas Instruments and Analog Devices on recently telling a good story. You can even extrapolate to Kramer Faves, AMD, and NVIDIA. The latter is always in the conversation. And it's not because it's just a dog. Those are the two most important semiconductor companies in this entire market, if you ask me. Not to mention Broadcom. Now, Broadcom, AVGO, they had the misfortune of reporting when I wasn't around. And what a fantastic quarter they had. Now, same goes for Marvell, another one of my favorites. These are all action alerts names. That's a 5G play, just like Corvo. And that delivered a huge quarter that also fell through the cracks during the sell-off. I wasn't here. I was busy in the tomato plants. Doing the tomato plants. What can I do? Got locked out of the house because I spent too much time with the tomato plants. Now, the pin action doesn't stop here. You also got to consider the end markets. If Corvo's, Corvo's moving lots of chips, well, then well, can't we just presume that cell phones around the world must be in good shape? In the last few days, bearish analysts have mauled Apple. They've been all over it with their cells, and it's not as good as it used to be, and all that nonsense. Well, guess what? Wait till you wake up tomorrow. And you will see so many people bullying Apple because Corvo gave it a reason to rebound. What else do we know? Okay, two analysts made a stand telling you to buy the stock of Adobe before it reports next week. Now, one analyst says something good. Eh, two, two analysts pounding the table just days before the quarter. I call that a green light. Adobe's all about digitization, which means there's plenty of pin action here, too. If you think they're going to have a good quarter, then what, you can buy ServiceNow, you can buy Salesforce. How about Wix? How about Shopify? Third thing we know, Morgan Stanley published a very enlightening piece about Microsoft titled Solid Returns in Times of Uncertainty. It was a big call where they predict the potential dividend boost in the next week or two. Now, normally no one would get dividend boost. I mean, but wait a second. We're not in a normal time. We're getting dividend suspensions left and right. So a possible dividend hike from one of the largest companies on Earth is very reassuring. Makes you feel like maybe some of these tech stocks might not be all too expensive. Put it all together. And we had a very good reason for a huge swath of tech to rally. And at that point, it takes up the whole sector, a sector now big enough to take up, yes, the whole market. People start circling back to the ones that reported tremendous quarters that had just kind of people said must, something must be wrong because the stocks went down. But there wasn't. I'm talking about things like Zoom and CrowdStrike. This morning, I had a conversation with David Faber on Squawk in the Street. I said, Zoom stock's down 30%. Now, that's something I could buy. Eh, there's a little laughter back and forth, but boom, Zoom rallies 38 points. Simply too big a discount for a company that's taken the stay-at-home economy by storm. As for CrowdStrike, we just had them on last night, and their cybersecurity business is on fire because remote work makes businesses much easier to hack. They are the one and two biggest beats of the entire year so far. Speaking of last night's show, we also heard from Ned Siegel. He's the CFO of Twitter. I don't know why people didn't pay attention to it. He said that businesses held up during the month of August. The numbers of users has exploded. Good news for Twitter. Also good news for the rest of the industry, like Facebook, Snap, Pinterest. If all of those catalysts weren't enough, the final nail in the coffin of the bears came from the front page of the New York Times business section which published a story headline, Tech Stocks Lead Nosedive, which postulated that maybe these big-name tech stocks had run up too far too fast, making them dangerous to own. When you see a sell-off on a prominent part of the Times, a big story like that, that tells you, frankly, it's a little counterintuitive, but maybe the move is 
run its course. You don't need the paper record telling you these names are dangerous after they've just experienced their fastest 10% decline in history. In the end, I think the tech sellers just exhausted themselves. After the last three sessions, they, would, they did indeed have, it seemed like, not enough stock left to sell. That allowed the buyers to take over without too much fear. The tech rally is easy to get your head around. But this wasn't just a tech rally, which is what flummoxed me. We also had fabulous moves in the industrials and the retailers. I couldn't find a soul who could explain to me why Caterpillar soared to a new high today. Not a soul. Cat's more levered to energy, which is doing badly than China, and, and, and energy is lagging. Beats me. Maybe an upgrade tomorrow? The rails were insane today. Why? Well, we got a note from a research firm arguing that FedEx could beat the numbers. We're seeing some real strength in China, which fuels lots of intermodal traffic. Mainly, though, I think the market was predicting a positive catalyst for the rails, and that's what we got after the close. When we learned that Kansas City Southern had shot down a $20 billion takeover bid from a group of private equity firms. How about Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Costco, Target? Look, I can grasp at stores. California is a huge state for retailers. COVID cases seem to be plummeting back to uh, many months ago level, even as a huge chunk of the state is literally on fire. Interest rates remain low. I could do that. Uh, DR Horton, some good news there. But, but maybe these high-quality retailers just had a great Labor Day weekend, and we don't know it yet. Clearly, the market's anticipating something real here because RH, company formerly known as Restoration Harbor, just reported a blowout of all blowouts. We will talk to that company CEO, Gary Friedman, on tomorrow's Mad Money if the stock is soaring after the close. Honestly, it is frustrating after so many years of being in this business to see many winners without being able to pin down exactly what's driving them. We have plenty of people betting big the economy's making a comeback. They were in their buying. But we all have just as many people who think that COVID's making a comeback. They were in their buying, too. The main takeaway here is that the S&P 500 got hit with a tremendous amount of selling over the previous three days, and whoever was doing that selling stopped. Maybe we're dealing with a scared hedge fund. Boy, there are tons of those. How about a firm that was margined to the Hilton and imploded? Once the stops, selling stopped, the buyers did what they've been doing for months. Sometimes the only legitimate explanation for what's happening is that there's no more stock to go. You can't pin the tail on every donkey. Often it comes to sellers just being exhausted or big money managers who need the locking gains or maybe one big buyer getting cashiered. Perhaps SoftBank, which is rumored to purchase 4 to $5 billion in call options. Once that ill-advised bet was unwound, the selling pressure vanished. Maybe it doesn't matter, though. Here's the bottom line. Tomorrow, I expect the Apple bulls to resurface, the Zoom acolytes to speak up, the semiconductor analysts to raise numbers across the board thanks to Corvo, the restoration hardware now RH people boost numbers too, and the KSU chatter, bingo. Sooner or later, we'll figure out what's driving the retailers and the railroads. I think it's what I just said. We might even get an explanation for the puzzling run in Caterpillar. Until then, though, we don't really know what this rebound's made of or if it's got staying power. Good to see that my three-day sell-off and buy thesis worked again. Now let's just see what awaits us. Suzette in Illinois. Suzette. Hi, Booyah, Jim. Long-time listener and loyal fan. How are you today? Oh, good, good. Thank you for calling. What's going on? I have a question about Slack. I I have been hearing about it for the past year, and I just bought some shares um, last week. But it's dropped since then. Do you think I should hold on to it or let it go? Well, I didn't like the quarter. Uh, they did talk about how there were actual macro issues, that there are people being laid off. There are people who uh, not as many uh, companies buying as new seats in Slack. I, I don't I couldn't come up with a thesis about why to own it, frankly. I, I, I don't have a thesis. Let's go to Brandon in New Jersey. Brandon. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I want to hear your thoughts on Peloton going into the annual tomorrow. You know, they cut their treadmill by 1800 bucks. The running market, three exercises spinning. 
They're going to end up selling the trading bikes for a thousand or less soon, which will open up the floodgates for everyone. And they're probably going to revise their S1 estimates for TAM. So I think all so those things are true. My, all those things are true. It would not surprise me if the stock went up even more. My issue, of course, is that we're not early to Peloton. But I think all the things you said are going to come true. You've obviously done a lot of work, more work than I've done, and I like your thesis. Let's go to Adam in New York. Adam. Jimmy Chill, how you doing? The chill man is in the house. What's going on? Love it. Uh, got a question about a stock that IPO'd this year or recently. Uh, ran up from 29 to 90 pretty quick. Uh, I bought some at 57, and then again yesterday at 47. Took a little, uh, got a little bump today. The stock is Lemonade. What do you think? We like that company. We did a major takeout on it, saying that they are uh, ways to be able to. Uh, it was a very algorithmic insurance company, and why not? Everything else being digitized, I would never have called themselves Lemonade, though. It makes people feel like, hey, you know what? Are they owned by Conagra? All right, anyway, it's frustrating to see so many winners without being able to pin the tail on what's really doing it. But i got to be honest, no one knew. If I didn't know, believe me, no one did. But maybe we find out some more reasons tomorrow. Let's see if it's got staying power. Man Money Tonight, how is the beauty business changing due to the pandemic? I'm talking with Ulta CEO to find out. And if history sources as a guide, September is known for getting off to a rough start like it did last week. But will be a September remember this time around? I'm going off the charts to find out. And if today was the day the market stabilized, why did shares of Cloud Prince Cooper lag behind the tech group? I'm going to talk to the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also, a fact smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible 
visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're at a crossroads here. If you think we can return to some semblance of normalcy without COVID getting out of control, then you need some exposure to the regular economy plays. I honestly don't know whether or not we can pull that off, which is why I'm always recommending a barbell portfolio, some stay-at-home stocks and some recovery names. We spent a lot of time on the stay-at-home winners, but what about the return to normalcy winners? Just look at Ulta Beauty. Now, Ulta is the retailer that reported a much better than feared quarter a couple of weeks ago, including a massive earnings beat. Ulta nearly doubled from its March lows. The stock's still down roughly 70 bucks from its February highs because you don't need a lot of makeup when you're stuck inside. But if you can go out again, well, that's a different story. So let's check in with Mary Dillon, the bankable CEO of Ulta Beauty, to get a clearer read on the quarter and how her company is handling this very volatile period. Ms. Dillon, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me back, Jim. Well, I got to tell you, Mary, I, I was fooling around today. I was uh, doing some skin analysis. I dropped 205 bucks because it was the coolest app, and I didn't have to talk to anybody or be embarrassed that I'm a guy or whatever. You have a rockin.com, a rockin' digital experience, and it looks like it's really pulling its, really pulling its way here. Yeah, well, thank you for trying it out. I'm very proud about the fact that on the Ulta.com and our app, you can tap into our skin analysis tool, which it sounds like you just had a great experience with. And, you know, we launched this pre-pandemic, but I'll tell you, I'm really glad we've been investing in digital because this uses a combination of AR and AI to both visually see Mm -hmm. you as well as make personalized recommendations. And voila, there you go. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I have to wear a mask everywhere. And I'm proud of that, actually. But I, uh, Mary, I have the same skin I had when I was 14. I have pimples. I have different two-tone. And it, the skin analysis did do everything. And I have to tell I want to tell you that this is what we all need. Millions of people wearing masks and you, you're afraid to go to a store. I thought this was better than a real person talking to me. I'm sorry. That's how I felt. Well, there's no substitute for the real human experience as well. But I'm really happy that you tried the skin analysis tool because to me, this is all about the future of retail for Ulta Beauty is this intersection of the digital and the physical. And I'd say even the emotional. You sound pretty emotional with what you just said. But I I know that when the stores open, you have people who are passionate and they do need people who can guide them because makeup is not inexpensive and you got to look your best. Do you find that there isn't uh, you talked about this on the conference call, but there's not, not a lot of places to go, Mary. So sometimes I just feel like I want to look good for myself. Well, here's what we learned during the time that people have been working from home more than before. Certainly, um, skincare routines, people have had a lot of time, just like you, to discover and try new products and expand on rituals. But, you know, most of us are, if we're working from home, are on video all the time, which actually I think requires for many of us to try to pull ourselves together and look look our best. And so while certainly we're wearing masks a lot and, you know, makeup's under some pressure, you see a lot of innovation happening in looks around eyes and lashes and eyeshadow and whatnot. So I think there's, a, there's, a, there's room for both, as well as skincare. I said skincare, but like fragrance and bath, those things. Self-care is really important as well. Well, you know, your your friend and mine, Mr. Freder from Estee Lauder, said, listen, Jim, you got to stop calling it the selfie generation. It's the Zoomy generation. And, and Mary, we don't look that good on Zoom. Uh, if I went to an Ulta store and said I look terrible on Zoom, would they be able to help me, make me just a little better, perhaps? 
I'm sure I'm sure we could help you both uh, on our app as well as in store. And it's a combination, I think, of, of your hair, your makeup, if you wear it, as well as your lighting. So we can help you with that. Okay, so tell me about what happens. Uh, you did furlough a lot of people, but you brought a lot of people back. You have had clo- you've closed some stores that were underperformers. You've always been very rigorous about that. That's nothing new. But what's it what's it like when people come in? I, I, you have a salon. I know that business is okay, but I'm not sure. I would. I, I haven't gotten my hair cut by someone other than myself <laughs> since the pandemic. Are people feeling comfortable now about having an yeah, Ulta well, beauty specialist help them? Yeah, we have worked really hard to have our shopping experience be as safe as possible. So, you know, we had to close all of our stores, but we've been open since July and we're seeing people come back. Our total demand, I talked about this on the call, I'm pleased about the signals that I'm seeing. You know, certainly it took some time for stores to ramp up, but now, you know, in the last month or so, we've only been down mid-single digit, which doesn't sound great to say down, but that's certainly a lot better than we thought it could be at this point although we're cautious about, you know, what the second half of the year looks like. Guests are coming back. They're coming, they're making maybe fewer trips, but spending more on a trip. And they're certainly using our capabilities online, our curbside pickup, our, our buying line pickup in store. But, you know, folks are coming back and they're using our services. Our hair and our brow services are available. Their people are very booked and we're excited to have folks back. But we're using really great safety uh, procedures mm-hmm. to make sure that we do this as safely as possible for our guests and for our associates. And mask wearing is where it's at, as you said. All right. Now, how are the uh, the sales? You've got 10 more days left of your special that everyone loves. I saw some 50% off of some of some Mac names that are very expensive, frankly. Are, are people coming to it as they used to, or is it even bigger? Yeah, well, this is our 21 Days of Beauty event that is loved by beauty enthusiasts all over the country. And, you know, it, it's happening right now. I'll just say it's, it's something that's a signature to beauty event, and our guests love it. All right. Now, I was dealing with my daughter who said, look, uh, I don't need to go. She likes Sephora or whatever. And I appealed to her who's she's a vegan. And I said, you don't understand. Ulta has figured out what vegans want. This is a big push by you. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we've known for a long time that our guests are increasingly conscious about choices that they make in beauty and food, right? A lot of categories, whether it's about health and wellness or their values. And so we have announced a launch of Conscious Beauty at Ulta Beauty, and we're certifying brands across five key pillars. Really, the idea is to make it simple for our guests to navigate, to educate, to simplify, because it's not one size fits all. Some, Some folks care about clean ingredients. Some people, like your daughter, care about vegan ingredients. Some care about packaging. So we're working with our brand partners and outside partners. This will all be launched very soon online and in store for our guests. Um, But we've been selling plenty of of clean brands for some period of time, but this brings it together in a way that really, I think, helps to and make it easier. Uh, uh, Well, next question. In the old days, we used to think about the lipstick index, that people in a recession, they tend to buy more lipstick. But in an era of mask, what should we think about? Moisturizer index? What What do we switch to? Well, masks as well as skin masks, right? So I'd say that, listen, people are, our guests are very engaged in all of our categories. Skincare, we came into the year knowing that this was going to be important, and it has proven to be even more important. I'd say we say that 90% of our beauty enthusiasts are saying that they're doing as much or more on their skin routines. They have time to discover new things to do at home. But listen, we're believers in makeup as well. As I said, whether you're on a video call uh, outside, even with a mask on, you have opportunities to really highlight your eyes, your brows, your personality. And so, 
whether it's those things as well as, you know, taking a nice luxurious bath, which folks have had a little more time to do. So beauty is playing an important role in helping people feel normal again. Well, I got to tell you, it's how you feel well about yourself. That's what you have to do, men and women alike. Mary Dillon, your company's making a serious comeback after, like every company that was non-essential, had to close. And I think that it's the uh, website. It's just unbelievable. Mary Dillon, CEO of Ulta Beauty. Always great to see you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Of course. May have money's back after the break. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Historically speaking, as I've been telling you, September is not a great month for the stock market. And this year, it's already off to a rough start until today. Uh, Although today was pretty great. After an incredible bull run, we slammed headfirst into a concrete retaining wall last week and yesterday, with the averages, especially the Nasdaq, getting put through the meat grinder. Now, though, the market seems to be stabilizing, so it's a good time to ask, what's going on next? At volatile moments like these, you know what I like to do. I like to take out our emotions just say, listen, we're going to handle this thing with a clear head. Panic is not a strategy. Unearned confidence is not a strategy. We need a more quantitative approach. And that's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Carly Garner. She's that brilliant technician who's the co-founder of DeCarly Trading. She's also the author of a, a, a new book, Trading Commodity Options with Creativity. And that just came out. Based on the recent action, Garner is actually less than thrilled with this market. I was hoping she didn't feel this way, but let's remember, it's emotionless. So far, this September is roughly in line with seasonal patterns, ugly as they are. But she's noticed a few things that suggest we could be in for a very bumpy ride through the end of the year. That doesn't necessarily mean we peak. In fact, Garner could easily uh, imagine some short-term upside in the S&P 500 as it plays catch-up with the tech-heavy NASDAQ 100. But the higher the S&P goes from here, the more she's going to be worried. What makes her so concerned? Okay, I want you to take a look at this monthly chart of both the S&P and the NASDAQ. So far this year, the NASDAQ 100 has outperformed the other major averages because it's a tech-heavy index. And the biggest COVID winners are technology companies that enable the stay-at-home economy to thrive, as we talk about that all the time. The NASDAQ didn't get hit as hard during the COVID crash, and then it came roaring back with a vengeance. Meanwhile, the S&P 500 got pulverized in March and took much longer to start making new highs. So you can see... Black Nasdaq, the greens, kind of hanging in there. It's been held back because it's got banking in it, and it's also got the drugs that aren't doing that well, and yes, energy. 
In general, the NAS was more orderly initially on the way down, but the S&P has been more orderly on the way up. For example, the S&P broke down below its December 2018 low in March, even as the NAS held above those levels. Remember that period? Oh, boy. Once we got rolling again, though, the NASDAQ 100 broke through its trend line resistance dating back to 2017 this past July. The S&P only tested a similar ceiling of resistance last week, and then it immediately broke down. And you can see the S&P, boom, okay, broke down. Either way, both indices have given you some incredible rallies, even factoring in their suboptimal performance over the past week, which is why Garner thinks this market's so dominated by momentum and FOMO, yes, fear of missing out. Short-term, Garner says the S&P could have more room to play catch-up with the NASDAQ 100 as long as it continues to hold above its floor of support near 3280, like it did in last night's futures trading. Longer term, though, she's less confident. Why? Why don't we zoom in on the weekly chart of the NASDAQ 100? Okay. Well, see, when the NAS blew through its trend line resistance to make new all-time highs this July, the relative strength index, or RSI for, uh, for short, we always put that at the bottom, it's an important momentum indicator. It started diverging from the price action. While the, S, while the NASDAQ 100 was surging, okay, to new highs, Garner points out that the RSI, failed to make a new high. It should have gone up, all right? That's what a technician would have wanted to see. That was the first sign that something's not quite right. We still had an incredible run for these levels, but we were vulnerable to a horrible correction, and that's the one that started last week. Now, check out the weekly chart of the S&P 500, which is what she's really focused on. That's a better gauge of the overall market. Specifically, these are the E-mini S&P 500 futures. When you look at the S&P, we see an even more pronounced divergence. The relative strength index peaked at 72 right before the S&P started rolling over in February, topping out at just under 3,400. Last week, though, the S&P surged to nearly 3,600, and the relative strength index, again, it couldn't break out above 67. Remember I told you that it's got to go up in order to be able to confirm? According to Gardner, this kind of action, the RSI, is a sign of froth. And, you know, many people felt that we got very frothy going into last week. You can see something similar if you look back to 2018. The RSI climbed all the way to 92 that January before the S&P got hit with a brutal correction. Man, that was awful. Uh, By September, the index had made up those losses, but the RSI stood at just 69. What happened? We got a hideous sell-off going into the end of the year as Fed Chief Jay Powell decided to destroy the economy in order to save it from the threat of non-existent inflation. Garner's point, when the averages start making new highs, but this crucial momentum indicator can't seem to break out, that's a warning sign. It makes her wonder if we're simply pulling forward gains that we will have to spend months digesting like we did in 2018 and 2019. We don't want to be on the receiving side of that. All that said, Garner still believes the S&P 500 is a little more room to run. In fact, as long as it holds above its floor of support at 3,280, sorry about all these lines, she thinks there's a 75% chance that the S&P will make another run at all-time highs. However, that might just be the last leg higher as the index has a significant ceiling of resistance near 3,660, right here, and another one at 3,770. She doesn't think they can get through that. Maybe that last leg would be worth chasing. I know a lot of you want to get in there and get that. I don't blame you. But there's one problem. What happens if the S&P breaks down below that floor at 3280 that we, that we can see right here on the chart? It almost did that last night. What happens if it makes a new high and then jump, fails to jump the hurdle at 3660? In that case, Garner expects a fast and furious correction. How low could it go? Her first downside target for the S&P is around 3185. 
Uh, that's a, p- a pivotal level, by the way. It's acted as both the ceiling and a floor in the past. That floor of support fails. She thinks we go to 3.050. And then, boom, worst case, 2.750. Uh, on the other hand, the S&P can surge to new highs, all right, which it says 75% chance, right, we can go higher, and bust through the 3700 level, like the Kool-Aid man, then we'd be looking at a much more bullish scenario when they take us to 4000 Again, though, Garner thinks that's the very unlikely, at least not 2020. So in other words, she thinks this one is less likely, right here, than this one. And that's what I care about. Bottom line, when you put it all together, the charts interpreted by Carly Garner suggest that you have to be more cautious here. The recent sell-off could be a sign that this bull's getting long in the tooth. Garner's betting that the S&P 500 can give you one last gas pyre from here, followed by a truly savage sell-off. I don't know if she's right, but that'd be pretty par for the course for the historically hideous month of September. And what it says to me is you don't want to be there if we go much higher. All right, let's go to Michael in Georgia, please, Michael. Hi, Jim. This is kind of a two-part question. I've been wanting to start a position in Okta. Do I buy now or wait for a better entry point? And if not Okta, what others do you like in this space? Well, first, we, we just had CrowdStrike on yesterday. I mean, that reported a remarkable quarter, second best beat after Zoom. We have Palo Alto Networks, and Nikesh Roar has been doing some incredible things. Okta is class of the field because they do identity management, but it is, by the way, just, you know, the most expensive stock I follow other than one another one that we're talking about, which is Coupa. And uh, you have to tread carefully. I think Okta is the kind of stock that you can put in, as I said uh, in my diversification piece, you can put some of it in Okta, but not all of it. David in Kentucky, David. Hey, Jim. This is David from Kentucky. I need the benefit of your expertise. Sure. Uh, so here's the deal. is uh, I've been a buyer in Nokia for the past, in June and July, the stock was around five bucks. Uh, in August, they had a better-than-expected uh, earnings call, got a new CEO. Mm-hmm. But every time for the past month, any time any good news has been released, the stocks went down. Like, for the past month, it's lost a dollar. Right. Uh, they got that new exclusive deal with China for their grid. Uh, they've got 43 exclusive 5G network deals. They're doing AT&T and T-Mobile in the United States. Uh, and the only thing that they really had negative over the past month was actually yesterday, which was the – the Samsung deal with Verizon, but Samsung CEO or somebody with Samsung got busted with some shenanigans about. No, but David, David, that Samsung deal with Verizon was huge. And I regarded that as a nail in the coffin for Nokia. That was amazing. It's one of the reasons why I like Marvell technology so much. You can see how well that's done. That's a gauge of Samsung. So I've got to say no to Nokia. I wish the stock would do a, a reverse blitz. If it was at 40 bucks, believe me, very few people would buy it. But at 4 bucks, too much attraction. Gravitational pull by people who think, hey, what can go wrong? Now, I want you to brace yourself. The chart suggests that we are due for a savage sell-off, even after we just ink up a little here. And I look, I think the risk-reward is just not that great. What can I say? Much more mad money ahead, including my one-on-one with one of the most expensive stocks in the market, Coupa. But they do make money, and they've got a lot of cash flow. It's worth considering the company here, though. I'm going to talk with the CEO. Then why diversification is key when it comes to the upheaval in this market and why you shouldn't listen to big hedge fund managers who don't suggest diversification as opposed to get out now. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer.
On a day where the hard-hit tech stocks finally started rebounding, what the heck happened to the stock of Cooper Software? Um, that's one of our cloud princes that plummeted nearly 6% to its lowest level since mid-June. Now, if you don't remember, Cooper's a software company that helps businesses identify cost savings in procurement and spending. They build themselves as the Salesforce.com of expense management. Salesforce is a partner. Last night, the company reported a seemingly phenomenal quarter. Nice revenue beat, coupled with massive earnings beat, strong cash flow numbers. That's what I like. So if the results were good and the stock had pulled back hard going into the quarter, what's the matter? Ah, well, Cooper raises four-year forecast. Some analysts thought that their billings guidance was a little light considering the lofty price of the stock. Now, I'm betting this is the case that you buy. That's under-promise and over-deliver, especially since this is one of the few companies that can help businesses tighten their belts in a difficult environment, and they care about making a profit. Don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Rob Bernstein. He's the chairman and CEO of Cooper Software, who in addition to reporting yesterday just published his second book, Smarter Together. Mr. Bernstein, welcome back to Mad Money. Uh, great to be with you again, Jim. Well, I've got to tell you, when I look over the numbers, Rob, you can find gallers. There's some analyst that has a sell or whatever. But to me, you are committed as ever to incredible growth, huge cash flow, profitability, and you're not just about trying to shoot the lights out revenue and lose as much as possible. That's absolutely right. Look, Jim, we were really pleased with the quarter. It's another quarter of really record results across all the key metrics that we measure. Uh, greater efficiency as well in terms of our implementation times. We cut that by about a month, being able to do implementations virtually. And I think one of the most exciting things about the quarter, really, Jim, is the pipeline and the conversations that we're having with our customers. You know, companies out there, I'm sure it's no surprise, they're dealing with supply chain disruptions. They're dealing with supplier risk. Uh, they're wondering if their suppliers are going to be in business tomorrow. They're going from single sourcing to multi-sourcing in a lot of key categories. They're renegotiating, they're reprioritizing their spend. And we're at the epicenter of that conversation trying to help them get into the, a digital world of collaboration with suppliers so they can manage their business spending in more optimal ways. It now, could not be more. Let's, let's, let's talk about that because you're really talking about something new that I had not read about. You're talking about community, not just out there looking at what one spender is doing, but you've got the benefit because you have, what, is it 1.8 trillion is going through? You've got the data. No one else has that data. That's right. Nearly $2 trillion was spent running through our platform. And this is this book that I wrote uh, about Smarter Together. I mean, the concept is that none of us is as smart as all of us. It's really that simple. So, you know, there's a massive amount of data being created today. There's a greater willingness of individuals to share that data. The data is being absorbed and is being consumed in record time. And that's not only applicable in the consumer world. You know, your viewers are familiar with Google Maps. You get to, from point A to point B largely through community data, community intelligence. Uh, implied data, contributed data helps you find the best route. The same applicability is happening in the business world, and we're proud to lead the charge. You know, we're helping our customers with community intelligence-powered value uh, on our platform. Well, one of the things I think people should understand, and they think, well, hold on, who's doing this? We used to talk about, we talked many times about Procter & Gamble, but you have a fantastic example in your conference call about, uh, sometimes we wonder, how does Amazon have all that package? How does it get to you so fast? How do they know what to do? Well, the answer is take advantage of your real-time visibility for their packing materials. Well, that's right. Look, it's not just Amazon. It's uh, companies from AstraZeneca to Aon, uh, BMW to Barclays, Capital One to Clorox. That's the first three letters of the alphabet. I mean, Companies that are putting their arms around their spending, optimizing it, understanding it, visualizing it, controlling it, becoming more operationally efficient. I mean, this is a huge market that we're going after. And we're still in the early days of, of bringing people into the digital world as it applies to this area. Well, I also think that we spend a lot of time at the network and other places looking at commerce data. 
uh, labor data. Uh, those, those are all updated once a month. They're kind of, I don't know how they get their data, but I've got this business, Coupa Business Spend Index. That seems like it's real time, and it shows that things are getting better in the country. That's right. We saw an uptick in retail. We saw a bit of an uptick in financial services. We saw an uptick in the use of contingent labor and different methods of freight and shipping since the pandemic hit, and we started to rebound a bit. Uh, But at the same time, we saw some significant decreases, greater than 50% decrease in the category of hospitality, for example. A significant decrease is in telecom because people are working from home. And I would invite your viewers to go to spendindex.com. We make all this data widely available. It's a real leading indicator to spend sentiment. Uh, and it takes into account a lot of very interesting leading indicator data. You know, how long does it take to approve spend, average spend per employee, the number of rejections on spend. It's really powerful insight. Yeah, I got to tell you, if I were in the government, I would rather use your data than a lot of the data that, that we see. It, it's just not as, as up to date. I can't uh, help in the last minute. You made an acquisition. I used to handle treasury uh, management for a bunch of companies when I was at Goldman Sachs. You know, it was very separate. It was kind of in a cloistered outfit. You're integrating with this acquisition, and it really is all one piece, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you think about treasury management. I mean, when you go out to spend money, you don't want to leave your wallet at home if you're a consumer. And if you leave your wallet at home, you, you bring your phone, you have an electronic means for payment. You want to know you have the cash on hand, you have access to funds, that they're properly being managed, obviously. Well, we're doing the exact same thing for businesses. We're helping them with treasury management, real-time cash visibility, liquidity management, netting, all the things that are part and parcel of being a great CFO and prudently managing company, company spend. Well, look, I, I very rarely does your stock come in. Uh, it's been one of our best performers ever since we put you on our cloud princes. You get an opportunity. You can't suddenly start thinking, well, why is it down? I think what you say is this is an opportunity. Rob Bernstein, CEO of Coupa, once again, just terrific numbers and congratulations. Thank you so much. All right. This is a company's stock. It's on sale and, and you can run from it or you can say, you know what? If I want a, as I said at the beginning of the show, something a little more speculative, something that is very expensive, but could be the next sales force, think about Coupa Sulphur. Man, buddy's back after the break. It is time. It's time for the night. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dang over the lightning round. I'm going to start with Diane in Pennsylvania. Diane. Hi, Booyah, Jim Booyah. from Philadelphia. Okay. I am wondering with COVID testing, with cancer treatment and pain management, why is Sorrento Therapeutics struggling? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, there's people who keep saying I love it. Ever since the CFO left, I, I, you know, that was to me a clarion call. That was to say... That's no different. Anytime that happens, I'm like that. That's because it's paid off for me. So be careful. Jose in Texas. Jose. Hey, yo, it's Jimmy Chill. Let me get a booyah. Booyah. What's up? Hey, how's it going, man? So I got a question in regards to ACI Albertson. Yes. So as you know, this is the second largest grocery chain in the country. They've been reducing billions of dollars in debt month over month. In the last quarter, they were roughly around 270% increase in digital sales. Right. And as you know, typically grocery stores are always a good defensive play during a downturn. As you know, people can defer their mortgage and they can Well, look, you're other preaching payments. the choir here. I said that people should be buying the stock. So far, not right. 
So far, I am I'm still willing to say that I'm earlier. I'm not willing to say that I'm wrong. You and I are in agreement. Larry in Florida. Larry. Jimmy, chill. Oh, Larry. So I've held a small position in this company for a while, and I enjoy their beverage. Uh, considering their newfound profitability and some significant growth prospects, what are your long-term thoughts on Celsius Holdings? Uh, the calorie-burning beverages. All right, well, look, i got to do work on this. Why? Because too often, too often we have been burned by uh, supplements, by cat, by, I mean, look at that. Jeez, you know, any kind of purple life was hard. Uh, i, I got to do more work. Let's go to Noah in Alabama. Noah. Booyah, Dr. Kramer. What is up, my friend? First time caller here. Good for you. What's going on? Not much, man. My question is about a company that made my wife and I's first home buying experience this year very quick, very simple, and affordable in terms of closing costs. And that's Rocket Company's ticker symbol RKT. I like Rocket. Now, when Rocket dropped the 19, I told Bear there was some guy razzing me on on Twitter. But I was Jimmy Chill. I was unwilling to call him a moron. I just said he was ill-advised. And I said it was a buy. And then the stock went to 29. I said, okay, that's enough is enough. And I haven't looked at it since, but it is a good company. Tom in Texas. Tom. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Yo. Hey, thanks for all you do for us young investors. I think a lot of us will be lost without you. Well, I just want people to stay in. People mention a lot. Oh, he's dragging people out of techies like he likes to split, whatever. No, I want a good diversified portfolio and I'm willing to be able to make big money in our great country. What guy I'm going to help you? Hey, I'm calling you today about live person, ticker symbol LPSN. We've been uh, huge, Bob. Th- We've been huge backers of Lacazio. I mean, actually, we don't understand. I mean, every time you ever call someone and you don't get someone, you're getting live person. I was on the phone with a live person yesterday. It was like, wow, it's better than talking to a real person. A live person beats a real person any day of the week. Let's go to, let's go to John in Pennsylvania. John. Jimmy Drafted. Booyah. Interesting name. What's going on? How you doing? Uh, I wanted to see what you thought about Micron now. This is the only semiconductor company that everybody hates. It's like just the skunk in the party. I don't know what to say. I would not sell that stock down here. That'd be ridiculous. But I do like NVIDIA and AMD better. Don't forget Broadcom and Marvell. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Some experts say this market's a total bubble, and the whole thing will end in tears. Others tell you to buy and hold because over the long haul, stocks only go up. Still others want to own the high flyers and wouldn't touch the sleepy stocks that rally gradually over time. Frankly, I don't know this, right? This moment's too uncertain. But that's okay. You don't need a crystal ball to manage your own money. You just need a diversified portfolio. There's a reason I'm always telling you that diversification is the only free lunch. People joke about that as my nickname. We can't know the future at least as well as we would like. So you have to spread your money around different sectors that work in different scenarios. We've seen so many hedge fund managers come on our air, rich guys, and warn you that this is the most dangerous time in history to invest. I've heard this by four different big shots. We've seen newbies who got in near the bottom argue that you just have to buy, buy, buy. Oh, they got a rude awakening when the correction hit last week, but they're right back. If you want to succeed in this business, here's something you need. Humility. Some acknowledgement that, hey, maybe you'll be wrong. I got that. 
both the Bulls and the Bears want you to go all in. But you'd be much better off if they just said, look, if you're careful and stay diversified, you can ride this out. You can even beat your own mistakes. So what does diversification look like in the age of COVID? Well, first and foremost, put some of your retirement money in a cheap index fund that mirrors the S&P 500. That should be your bedrock. I know people criticize me for being uh, all over the map with stocks, but what do I always say? Index fund. After that, though, you can start your stock picking. Take me. You your mad money. Use your mad money. You'll want stocks you like from a variety of different industries that represent reasonable value versus their growth rate. I like, for instance, Bristol-Myers, trading 10 times earnings, 3% yield. Campbell Soup, all the way down now. Cheap stock, 3% yield. Works if you think COVID has trained a whole generation of people to eat at home. You can fill this stock with a high-quality slot. How about a high-quality retailer? Costco, Target, Walmart, maybe even Industrial. DuPont's down on its luck right now, but I bet it won't stay that way. That's why we own it for the charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining ActionAlertsPlus.com. We're buying that one aggressively. Next, you need something that's overvalued on this year's estimates. That's right, overvalued. Because it could be cheap based on the out years, what they might make in 2023, 2024, if everything goes right. In other words, the bubble stocks, the ones we've been fed through, that maybe they've been fed through the Wall Street promotion machine or cheered on by the Robinhood crowd. I like Zoom, where it was trading at least yesterday. Uh, for today's 11% rebound, it's a little less compelling. Still, I think their business is here to stay. Same goes for CrowdStrike. We had them on last night. Remarkable growth rate. If you want something that's pulling back hard, how about Lululemon? It got slammed today, missed quarter. But a lot of that weakness was because of the crowding problem at its stores. I bet they'll have no problem coming back. The thing about these stocks that seem expensive, every now and then they turn out to be an Amazon or NVIDIA or a Shopify or a Salesforce or an Apple. And that means their stocks end up looking a lot cheaper in retrospect. Yes, a slot that looks like speculation turns out to be paydirt. Any of those are fine with me, so long as you only buy one or two of those specs. Remember, the whole point of diversification is that we're trying to spread the risk around. We don't want to put too many eggs in a single basket. Finally, you need some cash. I love cash. If you don't have cash, if you're borrowing money to buy stocks, I think that is a recipe for disaster. Don't mess around with margin, please. That's what you need. That's why you need cash. Get a buying opportunity. You want to be able to act. I've been telling you to take some off the table for weeks precisely so that you'll have some ammunition to buy stocks into weakness, like we said to do yesterday in my charitable trust. We go up big from here, and you will hear me say again, time to lighten up. It's my method perfect. Of course not. But it's a lot less risky than going all in with the perma bulls or the perma bears. I don't want to scare you or make you feel too confident. I just want you to know what you own. And I want you to stay diversified. Stick with Kramer. Powerful theses. That's what I always tell you to look for. One is the home. RH does a phenomenal number tonight. We have Gary Friedman on tomorrow. The other... 5G. We heard from Corvo. That means Marvell. That means Broadcom. That means NVIDIA. That means AMD. These are big, big themes. Then we know that digital is a huge theme. You heard it from Mary Dillon. People are advertising online. They're not going to print. These are the kind of things you should get behind when we go down like we did the last few days. I like to say there's always more consumer. Promise I'll find it just for you right here on Made Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. 
or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.